Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Evolutionary Hardcore Radio coming your way. Steve Smee here and the Mobster joining me. How's it going? It's cold. Send me some of that Florida heat. Yeah, how cold is it up there? Cold enough for me to be dressed like this. In the yeah. <laughs> Don't want to put the heating on. I've been too stingy. Yeah, yeah cool, cool enough. Wet and horrible as usual, but that's Wales. Not Ireland as you say. What you like? Yeah, well, it's got to be. It's got to be wet. You got all that green out there. Those beautiful green. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. yeah. Looks beautiful. Who are um, talking about? Flex Wheeler today. Yeah, we're going to do, guys, this is number 117, Flex Wheeler. So this is, uh, we continue our series where we talk about the legends of bodybuilding and celebrities who have changed bodybuilding. Flex Wheeler is very interesting. Um, Full name, Kenneth Flex Wheeler. What a name to be named Flex Wheeler. What a a name uh, uh, for a bodybuilder, right? It's a nickname. It's not his uh, on his birth certificate. It was just a nickname from, from his uh, martial arts background and his flexibility rather than from the muscle stuff. So, yeah, but it's not on his birth certificate. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, this guy, he was one of the most successful and monstrous bodybuilders of the 1990s. His competition size, 5'7", 240 pounds, absolute beast, 24-inch arms, 56 inch chest and he as Mosper said martial artist extremely flexible that's where he got his nickname he's got 70 wins on his resume one of the most consistent bodybuilders of that era you can call him the Phil Mickelson of bodybuilding from the 90s he was born in 1965 and he is in the United States, uh, born in Fresno, California. He grew up very, very poor. There was abuse in his household. Uh, and to make things even tough, he had dyslexia. So what dyslexia is, it makes it very, very difficult to read. Let's say, you know, you're a student, uh, he's a kid trying to get by and, you know, he's got an assignment, he's got to read something or he's got to do a test or something. He'll read, you read something with dyslexia and it basically translates to something else in your head. So obviously that's not going to work out too well um, to be in that type of situation. But he was blessed genetically from a physical standpoint and he was able to channel those tough years, luckily into sports. And um, he started out with martial arts. Then he started getting into weight training as a teenager. So and, um, you know, that's how he got his nickname. Like, like we said, um, he was so flexible. I mean, the guy could do splits. There's pictures of him. And you can, we'll link the, uh, the article, which shows a couple of those pictures. There's pictures of him literally doing a split on stage, not even facing a certain direction, just facing forward with a square body and still doing a split. 
So it's tremendous flexibility that he uh, he had. You want to jump in, Mobster? I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, he, he actually says himself, he considers himself a better martial artist than he does a bodybuilder. But as we know, from just our sense of the history of the, of the, of the game of bodybuilding, aesthetically those tiny joints and and he's one of those guys that should have won a mr olympia arguably especially when dorian was injured you know i'm, I'm looking here and we're talking about a, a four-time arnold classic winner i think it's only uh dexter that's beating him i'm don't quote me but i believe so i think there's only a couple of guys that i've ever hit that many five-time on iron man pro champ uh, missed, uh, f first big win was the 1989 Mr. California win. Those tiny joints with full muscle bellies. He, he looks like a kind of plasticine bodybuilder. You got, how, 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 like a cartoon, like a bubble muscle man made out of balloons or something. Uh, and yet put together in such a way, as you say, 240 pounds at five for seven. That is, that is big. You, this tiny, tiny, tiny joints just made his muscles balloon out. So when you look at him, there's a couple of black and white photographs. I don't know if Steve sees, sees in this, but these are the ones where I think there's a three-quarter back. And he's and the way the shadows and the light has caught him, he looks like he's got the world's tiniest waist with his huge upper body. And it's just, I mean, honestly, visually, he was something else. He's not a huge, monstrous 290-pound guy like Ronnie or, 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 or that kind of mass monster vibe that you were getting off of Dorian. And both of those were visually impactful. You, it's, it's, you look at it's kind of like a sort of supermanish cartoon like a guy out of a comic or something like that it's just really wow factor that this guy had in spades we're going to get into how he felt about all that kind of stuff and 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 everything else that came with it but uh, yeah i mean if you want to we should we address the mental stuff now steve what do you reckon yeah it's, i mean it's up to you uh, um let's finish um his um you know his yeah. so so people understand where we're coming from so as mobster mentioned arnold classic four-time winner he also um in europe the grand prix knight of champions five-time iron man pro champion first serious win was 1989 mr olympia uh, mr california i'm sorry and that was what launched his career so he was he was definitely right around the time of the turn of the decade in the 90s is when he came on. So everyone wants, wants to know his Mr. Olympia. That's what people, that's the biggest, biggest prize. So he never won first place at the Mr. Olympia. In 93, he was second place to Dorian Yates. Dorian Yates was dominating uh, throughout that, that time. 95, he took eighth. 96, he was fourth. 98, he was second to this time Ronnie Coleman was the one dominating. He only lost to Ronnie Coleman by a few points. It was extremely close. And then in the, the next year, again, he was second to Coleman. And then in 2000, he was third. So throughout the 90s, he came so close to winning. Oh, yeah. um, and But he didn't. But he was consistent. So now the two major incidents that we can talk about before we kind of get into what Mobster was saying was was in 1994, he was in a major car accident. He broke his neck. He was out a year. He was lucky that he didn't get killed or paralyzed. And then three years later, 
he was in a carjacking incident. So Mobster is going to talk about that. Tell us about his carjacking incident. I'll, I'll address the car crash as well. It, it, I've, I've got his autobiography here, uh, Flexibility, and that's uh, as part of when we do this podcast, we research. He was doing over 160 miles an hour in the car crash. I, I think the story goes that he was he went to some uh, rap guy's uh, party on a yacht. And it comes out, and he thought his Mercedes was to to use the uh, English colloquialism, the dog's bollocks, and sees the rap star's Mercedes, which is on another level above. And because of his insecurity, which we'll get into, jumps in his car and zooms off up the motorway and ends up doing, I think it was 169, I'm going to say over 160 miles an hour on the freeway and crashes the car. He actually talks about uh, some issues with the car in terms of the safety and talking about suing Mercedes, but uh, for some reason or another, they didn't work out. Perhaps 160 miles an hour had something to do with it. In terms of the uh, carjacking, there was a great story that went round at the time. This is in 97. And we were just getting into the whole, I mean, I think it was from 90, 1990 onwards with the internet and, and uh, forums and stuff like that. So... The story started to go around, and I'm laughing because it sounded so crazy, probably because he had the martial arts background. So it's supposed to have come from Flex himself. I don't know if that's true. He claimed he was attacked by ninjas. And so for years, this story followed him around. You're like, is the guy crazy? What the hell? So in, in essence, he's a martial artist. He's a very, very big, very muscular bodybuilder. But when a man gets out a gun or a knife, is you got two? You can either try to disarm him and maybe get killed, or you can hand over the cash. So I suspect those one of those kind of stories where you, you, if you were sitting down with the guys, you're gonna kind of put a spin on it. I'm not sure that calling it like, I was attacked by ninjas is probably the way to go because it ended up being the kind of joke for a couple of years. Uh, and uh, yeah, so yeah, that that's there's your carjacking story. Reality of the same situation is, it doesn't matter how big you are, a guy gets out a gun or a knife or whatever else, you know, do you hand your money over? Do you protect your wife? Do you do what you need to do? And if that fight is fighting, it's fighting. And if running away is running away and hanging over the cash, it's hanging over the cash. You make your choice, that's how it goes. But it turned into a kind of crazy, whatever sort of story that perhaps it should never should have done. Perhaps it should never have been, don't put that spin on it. Superman took my money. Yeah, it's not going to go damn well, guys. Yeah, back to you, Steve. Yeah, so let's finish up his bodybuilding career. In 2000, he had to retire from bodybuilding. He had a very aggressive kidney disease. He blamed it on a hereditary reason for that. It was pretty rare kidney disease. But a lot of people believe that the steroid use contributed to it. And steroids do hammer your kidneys, especially at the rate that he was abusing them. We're going to get into a steroid cycle that we speculate that he ran a little bit later. But um, I'll tell you what, he was able to go back to his martial arts roots for a little bit. And then a few years later, got the kidney transplant, which he needed. And then two years later, he won the 2005 Arnold Classic. So the guy couldn't keep his hand out of the cookie jar. And he came back. And we see that a lot. Some of the guys we've done mobster have made those comebacks just for the hell of it. And this is a perfect example. So for him to be able to overcome all that stuff he went through and then come back and win again, that's just something that, you know, you have to be able to will yourself to do that. That's just an insane amount of, uh, 
of, you know, just mental thinking. Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's a couple of things here. Steve and I have touched on in previous podcasts. If you're a kind of competitive, it's difficult sometimes to walk away. And he's actually proven that the doubt was wrong by, by, as you say, coming back and, and winning the 2005. I believe he's actually said that he'd like to, uh, pre his leg amputation, which we'll address shortly, he was actually talking about maybe doing a Masters Olympia if they ever brought the competition back. On his uh, uh, liver condition, specifically, uh, I've had a little look at this, and don't ask me to pronounce or, or, or give you the name of the actual medical condition, but it mostly affects black guys. I don't think it's associated with sickle cell, which is another thing that's uh, uh, black people and young black guys especially. Um, and there was one, there was indicators for it in the family. But as Steve said, I suspect this is a combination of those two factors. So you've got the two factors we just addressed and taking steroids. So he would argue that it didn't cause the condition, but we'll say it's, it's going to aggravate it. It's going to bring it on. If you didn't have it, if a member of your family's got it, but they didn't have to have a kidney transplant, but you did. Why is that? Why did they have to have a kidney, not have a kidney transplant? Maybe because of the stress, maybe because you're protein, maybe because of aggressive training. And obviously we're going to say, you can't do it any uh, great favors in terms of taking steroids. And he does talk about that again in his autobiography, that the steroids is taken, the drugs is taken. I'll get into that in a minute. It, it can't be good, let's put it that way. You need to be looking after every other aspect of your health guys. And if there's genetics for these kind of conditions in your family, give that consideration. You, you might not be the person that catches it and another family member might be. But if you're out there doing crazy stuff in the gym and doing real crazy cycles and pushing yourself to be the best in the world, the chances are that the, the likelihood is going to be a lot higher than it would have been otherwise. Yeah, back to you, Steve. Yeah, so, you know, even though he has these learning disabilities growing up, if you actually listen to him and watch his videos and even his social media, he's still a humble guy and he's still – you know, he's in, he comes off, you know, in my, in my opinion, as a very intelligent guy, just because someone has, you know, what they call a learning dis disability doesn't mean that uh, the person is, is stupid. That's a misconception. You can actually be really intelligent and still have a learning disability. So every situation is different. It's not like black and white. Um, and a lot of things that, you know, happen as a child, you know, with the abuse he went through, that can also affect you, you know, when it comes to just, you know, being a good student and all that stuff. So, you know, I guess, you know, that you don't have to be a straight A student to be smart. There's a lot of straight people who get A's and a lot of people get doctorate degrees who are really, really dumb, you know, and I met plenty of those people. So it works both ways. So, he, he is an intelligent guy, in my opinion, if you, if you listen to his videos. He just got a bad uh, bad situation when it came to this, his, uh, his upbringing and also, you know, his, um, his learning disabilities. Yeah, I, I, one of the things he talks about is uh, at school with the dyslexia, if the teacher pointed to him in class, he would abuse the teacher. And he would abuse the teacher because he didn't know the answer to the question because he wasn't able to read the question or wasn't able to read the subject or what was written up on, on the blackboard in front of him or whatever else. It got to the point, obviously, he was getting thrown out of class and sent to see the headmaster and, and all these kind of situations. So it took a long time. And it's interesting, uh, as, as a generalized thing, we talk about what drives us to go to the gym, 
what drives us to become athletes, what drives us to become successful in any endeavor. Uh, the abuse, the background, the lack of a father in his life, the uh, medical issues, but more than anything else, probably uh, uh, majorly insecure was a huge driver to create what we saw on stage. You have to be able to identify in your life what it is about you. You might just want to be successful. You might have a pushy parents. You might have, you know, amazing genetics or whatever else. And in some of the course, some of those things apply to flex right there. But the driver, I think the main driver is this mental thing of wanting to prove to people that you can be the best at something. And arguably, he's done that in two fields. He's done that, I mean, actually more recently in terms of his speaking and uh, being open. And he's, as, as Steve said, with regards to his intelligence, I think he's got to know himself and he's become incredibly good, especially the last four or five years with his interviews, uh, with being invited to uh, be the, the, the main speaker at certain events, incredibly good at identifying his own mental health issues and, and how he's used them and overcome them. And uh, which we'll get into in a second, uh, the 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 uh, both the kidney condition and more specifically the, uh, the the amputation, those things have actually made him probably recognise that side of bodybuilding in a much bigger way than bodybuilding did for him, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But he's, he's honestly he's getting to the point where he's being recognised, he's being awarded, and as I say, being invited to be the, the main speaker at certain events because of these things. And this has come from a guy that was incredibly insecure. And in fact, he actually talks about how aggressive he was on stage or seemed to be aggressive on stage or seemed to be aggressive in, in interviews and whatever else as a way of covering up for his insecurities and, 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 and the issues that he was suffering from. So, yeah, let, let's go on to the next part, Steve. Yeah, so why don't you talk about his training and I'll kind of get into his uh, nutrition that we've kind of learned over the years. And then we'll kind of get into the steroid talk is that's the juicy information everyone wants to hear <laughs> so training i, I like I, I steve knows i'm a big collector of the old bodybuilding magazines and thousands of these things hundreds of books here etc and, and i'm a, a little bit older than steve you know all the five ten minutes eh? uh where for me there were certain articles that were come out and the ones with flex was where he was training with another uh, high level body with chris cormier and Rico, or, or I think Rico Clinton, I believe is the other fella's name. So that they were putting themselves for some serious, serious work at back in Gold's Gym. You're talking about Mike Christine and the Barbarians in the gym at the same time. So this would be the, the mid to late 90s. And I seem to recall we're talking about photographs of the 180-pound dumbbell presses, 190s, they said 200-pound rows. And I think the main thing that they they they, they put picture, certain pictures of was these 450, 455 pound inclined barbell bench press. So the three of them together, all big muscular guys, all with the right attitude. And rare now, Steve, to see uh, top pros training together unless it's been put together for a feature article for a magazine or a video. These guys were training together for real. And we're all talking about all three of them, 240 average height or slightly less than average height and really pushing each other and kind of creating that vibe that sometimes when you go to the gym that you see when you've got these kind of people together all in the same place, everybody else starts to pick up on it. In fact, I was watching a, a, a DVD rip this morning on YouTube and it's Flex is training for a certain competition. Mike Christian comes over and compliments him, says the best you've ever looked. And there's about six guys that have literally stopped training 
just to watch this freak of nature doing his thing while Charles, Charles Glass is cracking the whip. And yet, perversely, this is one of the things he actually got accused. And again, this is around the same time I'm reading stuff in the magazines or wherever else, as a kind of lazy bodybuilder that he wasn't pushing himself. So it's kind of weird. You've got these on the one side, the 450 pound bench presses, incline bench presses, and on the other side, any of these videos. Uh, training specifically for the competitions came across in a kind of like um, tired and you know dieting for a competition kind of way so they, they didn't quite give the vibe and yet say that, that, that that's it was a contradiction perceived by one on one side as being lazy and on the other side as incredibly strong and and being an absolute freak of nature so even if he was a lazy bodybuilder which can't be true he ended up placing second and he can't have been a lazy bodybuilder if he's doing a 450 pound bench press. So I think it was one of those things that he, the, the right, he probably one of those silly little things where maybe with both the judges and the writers, because he could have come across in a certain way, he wasn't always likable. And yet when you listen to him now, listen to him talking, listen to all the things we just just covered, people listen to him all the time and, and, and are saying it way outside of bodybuilding. So the way that he's perceived and the way he comes across now it's completely different. Uh, you don't get to be a big, you don't get to be 240 pounds and an Arnold Classic winner and a Mr. Olympia by a training lazy. So it's, it's interesting that that was how it was perceived. Obviously, not the case. So, yeah, body, there, there's the training. Nutrition, there's not too much out there, funny enough. It's, it's one of those things that's not covered in any great detail. Um, I think he talks about a little bit with regards to going back to the kidney issue. You know, we could argue, uh, does high protein diets cause problems with the kidneys? And the simple answer is no, not really. You'd have to have a pre existing medical condition. And unfortunately, in Flex Wheeler's case, that is what's happened. Uh, whereas for most of us, it's not the issue. And again, you don't have to get 240 pounds training two, sometimes three times a day, which you talked about, without uh, ingesting a good deal of protein to maintain and, and, and build on the muscle mass that you've already got. But yeah, there's not actually, I don't think I've actually seen anywhere, not in my articles, not in the book that we talked about, the flexibility book, or any of the, the, the videos and DVDs, et cetera, that I've seen and watched, where he sits down and talks about his food. Lots of, lots of the other bodybuilders, you'll get to see the meals that they're taking. Very little on that from Flex. I think maybe his genetics enabled him probably to get away with crazy certain things. I would actually argue maybe that was the case. This is a guy that probably could have had McDonald's and still looked amazing. What do you think? Yeah, and, and there is some – I did find a couple nuggets where he did – you know, he does cheat here and there. So that, that there's no doubt. I don't have any doubt growing up he ate a lot of fast food. Um, we, we see that a lot, a lot of – you know, in the United States, a lot of poor kids growing up, they, they have to eat fast food. I mean, because it's cheap. It's easy to get. They don't have a stable household where they can come home, have a nice quality dinner with their with their parents with their siblings it doesn't work like that so obviously growing up eating a lot of junk food a lot of fast food as an adult that's going he's going to have a taste for that so there is some nuggets that i've seen here and there where he does uh, you know say yeah i do have cheat meals and then you know we can obviously speculate the typical bodybuilding diet fish oh, yeah. chicken the grass-fed yeah. beef um he was all over that lots of veggies lots of good fats so, you know, that's, that's pretty much what his diet was like, but at the bottom the bottom line his you can follow his diet to a T. You're not going to look like him. He's got the tremendous 
genetics uh, just to be 5'7", 240, like you said, Mobster. You've got to have great genetics because if you're five, I, I'm about his height. If I got up to 240 pounds, it, it wouldn't look good on me with my genetics. I would be really, really obese uh, to the point where I couldn't even walk to my mailbox, you know? So I'd have to be in a wheelchair if I was 240 at my height. So yeah, that's amazing genetics. So yeah, guys, before we get into a steroid talk, we have to uh, address the big elephant in the room. Let's do it. And um, about a year ago, um, you know, these podcasts are evergreen. So this was in, in, in 2019. Yep. He, um, you know, this, his car accident that he was in since then, he's had to have lots of, lots of surgeries. He's had to have a lot of medications. What happens is when you're in an, uh, an accident like that and you have leg damage, um, it can affect your circulatory vascular system. So you get that blood flow issues going on. Um, it feels like your, your leg is in a vice. The pain is so bad that you're not even able to function. You can't walk on it. You can't sleep at night. And we see that with, with accident, car accident victims. It's a extremity type of, of injury. And he tried everything he could to get the situation solved. He tried medications, all those surgeries, like I said, and at the end of the day, he was just buying time. And pretty much the doctors, you know, he consulted with pretty much told them, look, you know, you're gonna end up dead. If you don't get this taken care of once and for all, you're gonna live the rest of your life in pain. You're gonna live the rest of your life on tons of medications, addictive, painkillers and you're going to struggle so we can either get it taken care of now and you can at least live the rest of your life pain-free or you can just be torturing yourself go ahead so he, I, the video I was watching yesterday he addresses this in some detail this is a london real video guys but it's a, in two parts no i'm three hours and he addresses specifically, as Steve said, the pain was indescribable and it was constant daily from when you get up to when you go to sleep and having to be on lots of medication just to deal with this every single day. And uh, as Steve's quite correctly, that she had, I believe, a stent put in a tube to help uh, with vascular issues in the upper part of his thigh. So this is a constant thing, but it's never been specifically properly identified. It gets it's crazy. I go to this doctor and I go to that doctor and I've had this scan and I've had this, this, this person's looking at my leg, never hundred percent been addressed properly. So he, he, he kind of goes a little bit crazy, a little bit mad. And, 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 uh, you know, it was a little bit abusive to his best doctor, the guy that was working with him and the guy that he was speaking to the most and so on. I said, listen, we need to, you know, fucking get it fucking sorted out kind of stuff. And they send him off for a uh, ultrasound, and he goes to see the nurse. Now, normally, what happens, and he describes this in, in in the video, you you see the nurse. She does the ultrasound. She does the scanning, and then she gives that information to the doctor, and you sit down with the doctor. So what happens is she kind of gets a look on her face. Now you've already got an emotional flex sitting there, and he says, "What's the matter?" And she starts crying. Now I don't know about you, Steve. I think I'd be getting freaked the fuck out. When the woman that's doing your ultrasound is crying because she knows how bad this is, and she says, "Have you had a stent put in?" And he goes, "Yeah, but in my in my upper thigh." She goes, "Not in your calf." He goes, "No." She says, "Are you sure?" He says, "No." 
Well, she's looking at this thing and she's looking on the screen and it looks like he's got a tube in his calf because that's how bad the blockage is. It is literally like a piece of plastic's been inserted in there in the major vein or artery or whatever that goes down into your, your lower leg. And she knows his leg's coming off. She knows his leg's coming off. She's kind of telling him it's, it's just about as fucking bad as it can possibly be. And he has said, they're both crying. He says, they're literally in the room both crying. And then they go and see the doctor. And, 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 and as we said, the, the leg's got to come off. Not only has he got these other ongoing medical issues and stuff like that to deal with, which is, let's be honest, nothing none of the rest of us would want to have to deal with, but then to have to face the idea that this leg's going to come off. I think, and he actually kind of touches on this, he got to the point with all the discomfort and the pain and everything else that he was living with daily, he just said, take it off. And in fact, his wife went a little bit crazy, so what are you talking about? Why can't we do this? Why can't you do that? And he said, look, I'm pain every single fucking day it's my decision, the leg's coming off. I think it's almost kind of easy for him to make that decision. The rest of us would probably need a bit of time. Uh, and I think the only silly little thing he says leading up to the whole going to get it sorted out is that he stops some nuggets on the way to the hospital to have something to eat because, again, he's just living with this constantly. It's only when he got to the hospital we realised how bad it was going to be. So, yeah, lo and behold, the decision was made and, 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 and uh, the leg came off. And um, something I did in the precast with uh, Steve talks about how he's um, become quite the spokesperson for being an amputee uh, in terms of still being able to train, because there are videos of him still training now, going out there being a motivational thing for, for people that are in a similar position, talking about what's involved, talking about how you deal with it, talking about the whole phantom limb and everything else. So in a way, uh, it's kind of been perversely the making of him. So because he's been able to become this spokesperson for the surgery, for the medical issues, and uh, you could even, in a, in a kind of strange way, a better man. He's an older guy, and hopefully what happens when you get to a certain age, and I believe I'm fortunate in that particular regards myself, you get to understand who you are. Steve and I and, and, the, and the mods on the forum and, 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 the, and, the, and the more helpful mod members, we quite often say to the younger guys, listen, when you get to this age, this is what you're going to start thinking. When you, when you get to this age, these are the decisions you make. So what you think when you're 20, what you want when you're 20 is not what you want when you want 30, 40, and 50 years of age. Flex comes across as a guy who's wiser or more knowing of himself with all the things that he's had to overcome than he ever did back in the 90s when he was an aggressive young fellow trying to kick ass and you know, be king of the world and be Mr. Olympia and whatever else. And to, to, to have to overcome some of the things that he has has, has made him an even better man than he would have been otherwise. Yeah, back to you, Steve. Yeah, and he has a pretty active social media presence. He's got videos on YouTube. He's got over 600,000 followers on Instagram. Looks like he has a shoe. Uh, he promotes a shoe company, I think, um, which just says flex on the shoe. So and he's still active. He still puts out videos. And you can see in his videos, he's able to work out with an amp amputated leg. Um, and we see this in the gym. I actually have been to road races before with people who have um, amputations there. Um, and they were able to run a 5K. So, you know, uh, you know, just listening to his 
wisdom and stuff. It makes you feel grateful for what you have. I mean, why didn't you go work out today? Oh, I just didn't feel like it. The guy has one leg and he's still motivated to go work out. What's your excuse? So be, be grateful for what you have. And at the end of the day, you know, what causes the car accident? This has been a long acting thing. The steroids did not help the situation because steroids, they, they, they thicken your blood. They thicken your blood. They, they cause inflammation in the body. So could he have avoided this if he never taken steroids? Um, it would have probably delayed it a lot longer. He, and, and yes, maybe, maybe it could have, but at the end of the day, you know, it happened. And instead of him just being miserable and depressed, he's out there showing, you know, that you can still, you can still work out even on one leg. And he does a lot of leg workouts, which is really cool. Um, so what's your excuse? Oh, I don't want to do squats. They're too hard. Well, you know, he goes and he's doing leg presses, no problem, even with amputated legs. So prop, props to him for pushing that. So, you know, so let's let's push it to a steroid use. Back in the 90s, guys, it wasn't really a secret what guys were using because a lot of guys who were big time pros in the 90s have come out and been very open about their steroid use. The 90s were the era where guys really drastically started shorting, shortening their life, their lives. They, that was the era where guys were chasing. They were chasing guys with superior genetics. They were chasing the mo- the monsters. We in our last podcast we talked about Samir Banu. He was the last guy to be to win the Mr. Olympia at his size. Everyone yeah. else since then has been massive. And well, uh, the- if, he, if Samir Banu was to get on stage now, they'd laugh him off stage. In the 90s, they would have also laughed him off stage because he was so small compared to the 90s. So the 90s was the era where they blew up. What happened in the 90s? Trembolone. Guys were all over Trembolone. And in this situation, you know, no doubt he was using close to a gram a week to get to where he is. Testosterone as another one. Guys before, especially in the 70s and early 80s, they didn't mess with testosterone. There was no AIs at the time. In his case, you mess with the testosterone, you go ahead and take the AI. So the trend is amazing. Trend boosts, you know, um, it's so damn strong that it basically is, it's like a sponge. When you're on trend, it's like a sponge. Your muscles just suck in everything. So Trembolone just allows you to eat so many carbs, so much protein, and it stores it into your muscle, really makes your muscles bigger. The um, size on Trendalone is just amazing. And a lot of guys also are able to cut down on, on Trendalone as well. So they get the size and they get the cut down on it. The testosterone fullness, um, the androgens from that dosage of testosterone, you know, testosterone, if you run a TRT dose, it's not that androgenic, but if you're running five, 10, 15 times a TRT dose, which these guys in the nineties started to do, because they were able to take AIs to get that water retention down. So we're talking a gram or more of testosterone. Primo, that's another one. A lot of guys in the 70s love Primo, early 80s. He probably took a lot of Primo. I mean, it was still a, a big one to take, especially around his competition time. I mean, over a gram. You can take a lot of Primo because it doesn't have 
side effects like these other steroids. So you can get away with taking a lot of it um, and that will help you give you some good muscle mass and Primo is just an amazing one. Now, a couple of things that the nineties we saw, we saw the combination of HGH and insulin, which really came on. So we can speculate he was on at least 10, 12 IUs of HGH a day before, you know, um, obviously you want to be on the insulin as well. You're taking all that HGH, your blood sugar is going up. You got to take the insulin to bring that blood sugar down. You got to take that insulin to partition all that food you're eating. So, I mean, he probably took 5, 10, 15, 20 IUs before uh, uh, total. And he would take it, he would split them up before meals. It's a waste uh, to eat a meal without insulin. That's what, that's the way the, these guys think because insulin stores, it's a storage hormone. So it's, it's going to act with the HGH. It's going to act with the trend. It's going to act like a sponge. This allowed him at, at, at his height to be 240 pounds and still be lean. That HGH, the trend. And then the third one that I have to add in there as well, besides the HGH and insulin was the DMP. DMP started coming around in the 90s as well. When you take the DMP, DMP just, it's like cooking your inside. It's going to cause you to basically burn. Like as soon as you eat a carb, it burns as soon as it hits your body. And you'll notice you start sweating on DMP when you're eating carbs. So DMP was a big one in terms of fat loss. They didn't mess with anything. They didn't mess with, with, um, things with fat loss. If you're running that much steroids and you're eating that much food, you got to have that DMP in there. Probably Clen as well. Clen was a big one in the nineties mobster. A lot yeah. of guys mess with Clen. So he probably was very miserable running, running this cycle, but he, he got the results. Yeah. And, and then I have to throw in too, orals, oral steroids, short acting. He was probably running at least a hundred Anavar, probably running a, at least a hundred Winstrol ahead of his competition. The Winstrol caused him to dry ahead of the competition. And, you know, mastering wasn't really that much around in the nineties compared to today. But if he did have access to mastering, it wouldn't surprise me if he also used mastering close to his competitions to harden him up. But, you know, in the nineties, you know, we didn't really, uh, we think that the guys didn't really use mastering as much as they do today. They probably, probably stuck more with Anavar and Winstrol because Anavar was extremely popular, especially in, in the late eighties, early nineties, because they got banned around that time. So of course, if things get banned, everyone wants to use it. So that's probably why they that's use what? Anavar. Yeah. They probably use Anavar more than they, than they mess with Masteron to get that hardening effect. So, you know, we, we, we can, we could speculate that was pretty much as a stack, a hell of a stack. And uh, the side effects are in, uh, crazy, but that really allowed him to have that size and strength. He was very, very strong. If you see some of his videos, he's even strong uh, in the past few years before uh, he had that um, medical procedure. He was extremely strong. So we know he, he was taking a lot, of, a lot of things to make him stronger. The trend is definitely the, the key in this one uh, during the 90s. I'm going to say that the mega cycles is where it's around this time, and I think Nasser El Sambati talks about it, in, uh, which we discussed in the previous podcast. 
it's around this time that the big cycle started to come out. And, and, and again, this probably ex exasperated by the internet in terms of the information being swapped around and added to. You're also talking around this time, Steve, I think before he passed away with Dan Duquesne, talking about the stuff that the guys were taking and, and what they were risking. I recall, for example, around this time, and, and as you said earlier on, with the trend and everything else that he might have been taking, and we're guessing here, guys, that may well be why he came across a certain way, you know, tired and miserable because the stress it's putting on his body and, and the things that he needed to do. He got accused around this time, and it was more of a, a psych hat than, 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 than a reality, but Sean Ray accused him of having implants to the point where the, the judges went backstage and checked his calves out. What was probably happening was the early days of site injection, both with Escaline, which is a, a temporary enhancer, potentially with Simphol, and with his physique, it's hard sometimes to see that, you know, this genetics gave him the shape that he had. Uh, you're talking, uh, Steve's touched on it already with DNP. And also around that time, Steve was Nubane. Uh, that's when it was a, a popular drug, uh, uh, perversely described by some as a fat burner, which it is not. It's one of those things that might have made you comfortable with being hungry and being on a diet. But essentially, it's an opiate. So there was some crazy stuff being talked about. And some crazy amounts being talked about and around that time. So it, I actually perversely, and it's unusual for me to say this, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the numbers that we've just said are actually a little bit on the low side uh, for stuff that he might have tried. The problem for Flex, of course, came with the fact that his genetics, while allowing him to be his freezy, freaky, crazy-looking bodybuilder, maybe didn't allow him physically to do this kind of stuff long-term because obviously the potential in his particular case for, for kidney damage. But yeah, DMP, Nubane, mega cycles, uh, site implants, all around this time, all started to be introduced with the stuff that was out there. Dan, in his perverse way, was kind of experimental. And, and, and the little bit that we've touched on in previous podcasts with Evo, not just the stuff that me and Steve do, but the, all of the Evo podcasts, Lots of things that the guys discuss now is kind of like people look for an edge or something different. And Dan was giving that to people in those days. He was he was coming out with these suggestions. Now, some people didn't do well. I believe one of the stories was that the, one of the ladies that he was advising ended up with uh, calf issues that needed to be operated on as a result of his particular advice. And yet, perversely, that's the stuff that grabs people's attention. So I actually think we've been kind of conservative here. Uh, not necessarily reflects himself, but with the kind of cycles that was actually starting to be suggested. All these three grams and five grams kind of stuff and death cycles that have seemed to be more recent. No, this is when it started to happen. This is when people were, were under this impression that the pros must be using more drugs than anybody else. And some of them would experiment with these crazy cycles. Genetically, perhaps they don't need to, but they did. And when you're talking about taking an opiate just to allow you to be able to consume a low-calorie diet, or to get through the fact that your muscles are going to be sore after training. When you're talking about uh, using DNP to strip away, uh, they, this was around the same time that they were testing for uh, diuretics. So there was a lot of stuff going on. Some of it very experimental all the time. People didn't quite understand how these things should be run. And you're doing it. And this is sometimes when we're giving out advice on the forums, this is part of the issue. You're doing it without knowing everything else this guy's doing. If he's using, I'm looking here again, five different kinds of steroid and HGH 
and insulin. And we're going to throw some sort of science enhancement in there. We're going to throw uh, a painkiller and opiate that he's not mentioning when he's come to us for advice and so on. This is the kind of stuff that you're dealing with here. And Flex doesn't talk about, you know, he says, oh, I had this particular medical condition, I have these genetics. It's one of those things that if you were being an aggressive interview, say, listen, Flex, if this is what we think you were doing and you're not saying no, and then you're doing other things, surely this must have had an effect. And that's kind of what we're getting at here. Flex is a fantastically genetically gifted athlete, literally just as an athlete, as, as, as a martial artist and as a bodybuilder. But you need to know everything. Steve Smee is a big one on talking about blood tests. Let's get this sees your numbers. Let's see whether you're healthy. If you come to, for, say, a one-to-one -one with Steve, or if you're on the forum asking for advice, and this would include a bodybuilder as advanced as Flex Wheeler was and sit him down. We need to know to give you the best advice, every single thing. If you've got a pre-existing medical condition, if there's something in your family background that might fuck you up, if we tell you, oh, go out and try Trent, it's going to turn you into a great bodybuilder. You're going to start winning competitions. If, we, if we're telling you to do certain things that perfectly normal, healthy guy would, wouldn't struggle with, but you will struggle with because you've got pre-existing medical condition, you need to know this stuff. Flex found out the hard way that his genetics, which were amazing for bodybuilding, weren't necessarily great for his long-term health. And when you get, again, he's one year younger than me, so that would make him 55 now, I'm 56. I suspect that he has to weigh up, does he say being winning the Arnold four times being the, the, the almost go at the Olympia a couple of times, is that worth the price that potentially he, he's paid? And did he pay the price for those things? Who knows? It's difficult, it's difficult to say 100%, but it can't be good. It can't necessarily, you know, I don't know that I'd want to win or miss the Olympia if I'm going to have a leg off. Let's put it that way. What do you think, Steve? Are you prepared to pay that kind of price? Or, or have you become an older, wiser man like Mobster? And said, yeah, listen, I don't mind doing certain things, but I'm not going to do that crazy shit. The thing is with people, guys, if you're abusing steroids, you start abusing steroids. And I've what? been there. I've been there. I did it for a couple of years. I was really, really abusing steroids. Your body has ways to punish you. Your body will punish you. You don't have to make any decision because most of the time your body will punish you. In the case of these bodybuilders, they're so driven. They're so obsessed. That they'll do what it, what they have to do to push through anything. They'll take a pain. Luckily for me, I didn't believe in, I don't believe in painkillers. So mm. as much as pain I'm, I'm I'm in, I mean, it got to the point where I couldn't even feel my right arm. Wow. You know, so in his, in their case, they don't feel their right arm. Let's pop a painkiller. I, I gotta I gotta compete. I gotta keep my promotion going. So you know, and I and I, here here's the problem um, because. You know, Flex claimed that his kidney condition, uh, it's called focal segmental glomerulosclerosis uh, is the name. It's a kidney disease. And, and he claimed that, you know, hey, it's an inherited thing, blah, 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 blah. But we, we have a study and we'll link it in the podcast. There is a study where they actually did a long-term study on 10 bodybuilders. Now, it's only 10 bodybuilders, but gosh, this is probably the best study that we can find because it's hard to do a study like this when it comes to anabolic steroids. But they found that long-term abuse of anabolic steroids caused 
injury to kidneys. Um, and basically it does this because they start getting, they get protein leakage into the urine and severe reductions in kidney function. Nine out of the 10 bodybuilders developed focal segmental glomerulosclerosis, wow. which is exactly what Flex Wheeler had. Nine out of 10, so 90% out of these 10 developed it. And that is scarring of the kidneys. So, and that happens because the kidneys get overworked. So when you're using these anabolic steroids, you're using these anabolic steroids, your kidneys become overworked and that's what happens. So, and it's the same thing that happens. The other group of people, mobster, this happens with is morbidly obese individuals. Oh, so, wow. But even with this is even more severe. So if you abuse anabolic steroids, you're opening yourself. So do you think it was a coincidence that he got this? I don't think right. so. Not nine out of 10, good grief. I'm going to say, so listen, right, this is a hardcore podcast, so we don't want to bullshit you guys. We completely 100% understand the motivation. You know, I, 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 I've got British titles, I've got national titles, international titles, and I understand the motivation. I get to myself driving myself into the ground and making myself crazy tired and, and, and being so close to getting injuries having wear and tear on, on joints and discs. And Steve's touched on this as well. We get it, right? We get it. We go, we want to go to the gym. We, we want to be 300 pounds. We want to be crazy strong and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Right. We 100% understand that. But what we also understand being older, over 40, over 50, whatever, and having 30, 40, 50 years between us in terms of experiences, right. Is we don't know the, well, so we do know, when we're 20, when we're 25, 26, 27, we want the fucking world and everything that comes with it. We want a kick ass, take names, never run out of chewing gum. And if it takes a fucking dose of the dinosaur to do it, then we'll do it, right? That's what happens when you're that age. But you don't know all this other stuff. So all the other stuff comes from experience. All the other stuff comes from looking at, the, listening to these kind of podcasts looking at what's happened to Flex Wheeler and learning the fucking lesson. Pay fucking attention. There are risks inherent in doing the crazy stuff. With the DMP, how many stories are there of a certain person who's a little bit overweight and they've got a bag of powder from China and it says I should take this amount, so I took two times that amount and died. If you don't know what you're doing with insulin, if you don't know what you're doing with DMP, if you're taking opiates just to get for a dirt or a workout, and then, even if we take, he's saying it's a pre-existing uh, family trait, a genetic condition that was out there. Sure, fine, okay. But you took a lot of steroids and you did a lot of crazy things and you ate lots and lots of food and you occasionally got away with eating crap because you were genetics. And then this happened too. So you need to be sure about these things. It's, I, this is why we, one of the or two of the cycles have been called death cycles because it's kind of like, I'm going to take this amount of drugs. I'm going to be this guy. I'm going to be the next big thing. But I'm going to knock 5, 10, 15 years off my life. I'm going to have a fucking leg amputated from, from the knee down. I'm going to... you, you, the, the hardcore has a, a point beyond which you don't need or want to go. And arguably, the potential risk here for what's happened. So if Steve's, if we feel into that study and it's telling you nine out of 10 
ended up with signs or traits for that medical condition. And I'm going to have a look at this study as well when we're linking into it. That, that's a crazy number. Nine out of 10, Steve. Wow. Yeah, and it, it gets better. When the bodybuilders stopped steroid use, their kidney abnormalities improved. But one individual out of them ended up getting kidney disease and he had kidney failure and required dialysis. So that's the good news. That's the good news. Even if you've abused steroids, if you, if you smarten up quick, if you smarten up quick, you can reverse it back. Um, and most, most of them reverse it back except one guy. So that's the good news. Now the bad news is why does this happen with anabolic steroids in the kidneys? And they think, and this makes sense, is that the cat kidneys have to increase the filtration rate because you're so damn big, you have so much mass. That's so basically you're a, a bodybuilder at that level has as much mass as a morbidly obese person. So their body mass index is that high, carrying all that muscle to the point where you're pretty much a morbidly obese person. It's a it's a basically on the outside, you look muscular, you look great. But on the inside, you're dying. A morbidly obese person looks like shit on the outside and is also dying. Oh, yeah. So it's the same thing. The insides is you're dying on the inside. So here's a couple other a couple things too. What happens is when you take the anabolic steroids, your kidneys have to increase filtration rate because of the muscle mass. That's that's because of the steroids. So that's an indirect thing, but also steroids directly are toxic on the kidneys. And we can speculate on that has a lot to do with inflammation. That word anabolic is inflation is inflammatory. So if he was using all that trend, because trend is the most inflammatory of the steroids, you know that if you ran trend, you start sweating, you get night sweats and stuff. That's not an accident. And you have a really hard time hydrating. So the trend that they were abusing is definitely one of the big contributors. So don't abuse trends specifically and don't abuse other harsh steroids. Right. So that with all that said, bearing in mind, as I say during the podcast, just now 300 pounds myself. Let's talk about, Steve, I think to finish what people can do. I'll start with lowering the dose. You do not need to do these crazy five grams a week, three grams a week kind of cycles, guys. You, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you now, you do not. There are guys out there that like taking steroids and they like pushing the envelope. They want to see what they can do. And, they, and they're kind of like, if I take this amount, I'm going to get this much bigger. The truth of the matter is uh, genetics, again, I, I, I'm probably I'm, I'm probably close to about 80 or, nine pound, 80 or 90 pounds heavier than Steve. I'm a bit taller. Um, and, and I'm taking fractions. Not right now, I'm taking nothing at the minute. But I take fractions of what some of the guys on the forums doing. But let's address what can we do apart from just lowering the dose? Hydrate. If you're going to, the filter systems your body require fluid, and let's have water going in there rather than all other crazy, huge amount. If you're going to have a high protein diet, you need to drink more. It's healthy just to drink a decent amount, be hydrated anyway. Dehydrate is not good, it stresses your body. Um, something we talk about on the forearms all the time, Steve N2 guard. If you're going to do these kind of cycles, you need to be taking liver and kidney protectors. You need to be looking after your body. You can't do this crazy training, crazy diets, crazy amounts of gear, and then do nothing else. Think of it as an insurance policy, guys. Think about internal health. 
So N2 Guard and products like N2 Guard to help you. Don't do heavy cycles at a time. Take time off between cycles. Do psalms in between a steroid cycle. Give your body a chance to replenish. Don't be afraid to go light every so often in terms of coming down a few pounds. I've been sitting at 300 pounds, 300 plus pounds as I am right now. Don't be afraid to drop 20 or 30 pounds and then work your way back up to that weight if it's for a strength competition or bodybuilding, wherever you weigh. You know, sometimes we've seen this quite popular thing there where guys grow into competitions, which means they're, they're, they're regaining lost muscle and they're losing fat. It's less stress. Kevin Leverone's a great one for back in the day trained like a crazy guy for three months, blow up, come on stage looking like the next best thing, and then having time off. We've talked about it in other podcasts with guys like Ronnie Carmen were having three months off. Dexter Jackson, I believe, is another one that has three months off. And they talk about, and, and we use euphemism, supplements. What they mean is they come off every steroid. All of, If they're not on a maintenance, if they're not on a TR toast, they're completely clean. You won't see them. They go on cruises, they go on holidays. They'll sit in uh, doing interviews online or wherever, but they're covered up. Photographs come from it the rest of the year. And then obviously close to the competition, they start putting those pictures out there. But they're having a lot of time off. These guys that I mentioned, and that's a way of helping the body. What do you think, Steve? What can the guys do? To, well, here's to, the thing. To... Here's the thing. Bodybuilding is so different than other sports. Every pro sport, whether it's soccer, football, baseball, basketball, oh. anything, they take they have off seasons. They don't pound their body year round. They have the season, three, four month season, and then they're, they don't pound their body anymore. They still work out in the off season. They still do, you know, um, they eat good. The ones that want to be successful and, you know, you want to stay in decent shape, but in bodybuilding, it's different because bodybuilding is all image. So you want to look good year round. So you want to abuse steroids year round. So in this study, it says right here, um, basically that when they took time off from the steroids they improved but the guy but then one of these guys decided to start taking steroids again and he suffered a relapse a severe kidney dysfunction it's right there in the study so yeah, what right. can you do you can take that let's say this is why i tell guys on the forums don't abuse the harsher steroids like you start taking trend when you're really early on yeah. in, your, in your steroid you're going to want to keep taking it because trend is the king of steroids it's like getting a lamborghini at 16 years old you're not going to be able to go back to a ford so i mean that's the problem so don't run trend so fast and when you run trend you have to tell yourself i'm going to run it this cycle i'm going to run it short i'm going to run it low and then i'm going to not run it again for another year or two if you're not willing to do that then you're going to run into problems like this so we talk about fasting Fasting from food, fasting from steroids, fasting from even working out. If your body is beat up, the best thing you can do is fast from working out. It sucks. Oh, You're going to lose strength. I know, but you have to take time off to give your body a chance to catch up. So the same thing with this. If you can fast from steroid use for a certain amount of time, you'll give your kidneys a chance to come back because at some point, once the kidneys get to a certain point, you're going to end up like these guys and end up like flex and you're going to need a new kidney. And that's not fair because other people to through no fault of their own need, need kidneys and you screw up your kidney and you have to get a, you're taking a kidney away from someone else that needed that kidney who probably can't afford 
to jump ahead of, in the line. And that's not right. That's not a morally acceptable thing either. Uh, and you may not be able to afford it either. You can't be like a pro bodybuilder and, you know, have, you know, half a million dollars sitting in the bank from all your promotion. So you got to put yourself in that situation. So you just got to be smart and use steroids conservatively, no more than 10, 12 weeks on steroids, one cycle a year, maybe two at the most. And then if you run a harsh steroid like trend, you got to take a year or two off before you the only, that's the only way. Yeah, so think long term, guys. When, we, when we're giving you advice on the forums, and this is all the moderators, uh, Steve, me, myself, any of the guys, Masonic, everybody that's on there tells you this stuff. And we, we do it from the right perspective because we're thinking long term. We're thinking 30 years, 40 years training, 20 years in the gym doing this stuff. If you go to the gym and you eat healthy and, and you're not trying to be a top level competitive bodybuilder, the, the lifestyle is pretty good. You know, you're having plenty of good vegetables, plenty of greens, plenty of, you know, lean cuts of meat. What the hell? You should be one of the healthiest guys out there. It's when we start to do this other stuff. And, and again, I can understand the attraction 100%. If I, I've never used trend. If I suddenly goes on three quarters of a gram of trend a week and, oh, my God, I feel like king of the world and every woman adores me and I want to go in the gym and tear the place down and then build it back up again. And, 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 and you know, it's just gone absolutely crazy. I see young guys, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's like turbo fuel and all the rest. Yeah, okay, guys, get it. I understand that. But you're talking about how you feel right now. If you're doing this nonstop, if you're barely coming off, if you're hard, if you're having, we've seen posts where they say the least amount, what's the least amount of time I can have off? What's the most amount of steroids I can run and be safe? How about the least amount of steroids and still get a great result? How about eight to 12 weeks, two times a year, maximum, with loads of time being crazy healthy in between. I reduce my weight in terms of training. I do not go 100% all the time. And I'm one of the bigger guys on the forum. I'm not, I, there's probably a couple of guys that are my strength or more on the forum. But I will come down to 60 or 80% of the numbers that I build up to other times of the year. Uh, you can't do this. You can't go crazy with the food. You can't go crazy with the gear. And not have these kind of issues not come up. You you think you're the lucky one. You've seen it. Nine out of ten of these guys showed signs and symptoms for the medical condition. One ended up having to have dialysis. That it's a real small study. I, I'd be fascinated to see a bigger study. But in such a small study, 90% showing those kind of things. Listen to the advice we give you guys. We're thinking long term. Some of you come onto the forum, you've been training three or four years, you decided you want to take steroids. Fine. We've got some great cycles out there. We've got plenty of advice, loads and loads of information. And we're out there giving you daily advice to the best of our ability. Combined with all the other moderators and the, and the forum members, you should be able to find every single piece of information you need from us. Yeah, what's, think, it, what's, it, yeah. what's interesting about this study too, Momster, is I wonder if, you know, even just being so muscular... Mm. And not even abusing steroids, just being so muscular, how much of a toll it puts on the body being so. Oh, big. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I mean, just the study shows that it does because, it does. Uh, yeah, I've run kidney numbers and my kidney numbers have always been strained because I've always been a muscular guy since I was 18, 19 years old. I've always been an extremely muscular guy for my size. So carrying all that muscle is not good for me health wise. So. To me, it makes sense to even take time off from the gym just to get the muscles down. Maybe go do yoga for a few months, get your muscle mass down a little bit 
So you're, you're healthy. So that's scary. Even for me to read that, even take, even if you stop using steroids entirely, but you still keep your muscle mass. That's, that's why people, it's stupid. When I hear people like, Oh, that don't do that. It's catabolic. Don't fast. It's catabolic. Don't eat vegetables and fruits. Those are catabolic stick to stick to me. It's like, no, no, you want to be catabolic because you'll end up dead. If you, if you end up like flex Wheeler and just, get size, 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 and you're 240 pounds at five, seven, you will end up dead or, or problems like this. I, I come, as you know, from the world of strength, and I've touched on this again previously on, on the forum, and I'm sure I mentioned it in a previous podcast. There are no 90-year-old, 300-pound strong men or, or, or super crazy strong athletes. There, there isn't. There, 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 300 pounds, even 250 pounds on an average, it doesn't, it's not good to be 60 or 70 or 80 years of age and 250 pounds. Now, the, in spite of the fact that I train, and in spite of the fact, arguably, you say, you know, I'm a strong, muscular guy. I'm not as lean as Steve. I don't intend to be. I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm more of a strength athlete. So being lean and aesthetic doesn't matter to me as much as it might do to a bodybuilder. But in spite of that, you can't, you can't say, right, that being technically certain attributes of my muscular size and or strength, my body's still going to see as a bad thing, 100%. First off, you know, we're going to have the enlarged heart issues. You need to have the cardiovascular fitness working. If you're going to be 300 pounds and walking around, you need to be, the heart needs to be working well. The lungs need to be working well. Your blood pressure needs to be within range. You need to be eating. You can eat dirty, the kind, but you need to be eating clean. You need to be looking at your vitamins. You need to be taking vitamins and minerals. You need to be using products like into guard all the damn time to look after yourself. And arguably, just I can walk in. I've, I've had this. I've actually had medical examinations. If you go along, and they've done the, you know, your cholesterol levels. Mine have always been great. My blood pressure's always been around where it should be for my age, etc. On the scale. For my height, I'm obese. Uh, that's the, the height, weight, business, how many pounds you weigh per inch of height or centimeters or, or whatever measure you're using. On that scale, I'm obese. But because they see me, you know, muscular arms, separation in the fires and whatever else, my little strong man power belly going on, too much cheesecake and ice cream, thank you very much. They can see that I work out. They know that I train. My alcohol uh, intake is, is minimal compared to say the average Joe, certainly up here in, in the South Wales Valleys. Uh, I drink far less than most people. I don't smoke. I don't take any other drugs. I'm like Steve, I'm not a fan of painkillers, the least possible, thank you very much. The only issues I've had as, as an older guy is certain foods now irritate my stomach. They never used to when I was younger. But my body's still gonna see 300 pounds of stressful, stressful on joints, processing of the food that, that are required to weigh what I weigh. Is, is, is stress, it is. Now, if I was doing the, all the normal, typical day-to-day -day stuff and weighing 300 pounds and being muscular, and then I put in the levels of steroids and opiates and whatever else that we're talking about here with some of this stuff that potentially Flex was involved in, I should be probably in a wooden box about five minutes from now. And, and that, uh, that's- You won't make like, it to 60. You that's won't. what I mean. Can you imagine me yeah. on opiates? I'll yeah. be dead already. I'll yeah. be dead already. Yeah. it's scary because i just did my bmi and i'm overweight according to the bmi yeah, see? and when i was at my peak this yeah. was when i was running trend um i was i was obese my bmi was obese so how much strain was i putting on my body when i was doing that when i was 
when I was 18, one of the ministries over here put out one of these things to do with health, and they were talking about how swimming was the ideal thing. You know, you, 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 you're supple, you're strong, your stamina, all those things were great if you swam. That was the best sport. And I actually weighed my ideal weight, which was 175 pounds. This morning, with the gear that I'm wearing right now, so I'm, you know, warm clothing, sitting in my cold ass office doing this podcast, I weigh 315 pounds. That probably means I weigh about 304, 305 strip bollock naked. I don't know, no, whatever. Maybe a little bit more, maybe 308. But I, I, I mean, I, that makes me 133 pounds over my ideal weight. Your body, you know, as muscular, as strong, whatever the kind of stuff that I'm still capable of doing in the gym at my age, your body doesn't always see it that way. It's got to push around that blood volume of blood. It's got to digest that volume of food. You're putting issues with your compressed disc on the joints. And that's without doing the steroids and the opiates and the alcohol and the smoke and all the other crazy shit some of us, some of us do. And, and, and yeah, so if you're doing your, your risk factor for these things goes up, I can't get my head around, and I've, I've said it a couple of times already, that nine out of 10, 10 guys in a study and nine out of 10 of them just, there probably wasn't even, not, no way, 300 pounds, not doing any kind of, like the crazy levels that a pro bodybuilder for the Mr. Olympic stage was doing. And nine out of 10 of them were showing risk factors for that stuff, were showing symptoms of the medical condition. That's kind of crazy, guys. You need to understand that when we give you advice, it's from the best place, that if you decide to do some of these things, you need to understand the risk factors are much higher much much higher and again we change as we get older i will need to lose weight at some point i will need to come down to 250 i will need to be comfortable mentally with coming down to 250 i need to be okay with being an old guy who's 250 that means i'm dropping 50 60 pounds i need to be comfortable with it i need to understand you know don't don't some of you guys are working in crazy hard jobs out in florida and wherever else take some water with you drink and hydrate all day long don't be a, there's how many guys do we see on the forum, Steve, that are kind of crazy. They don't, they don't like vegetables. They don't like fruit. Get your damn veggies in, people. Eat better. Eat more healthily. We don't want any of you guys on the forums to end up having the legs amputated. We don't want any of you ended up with this medical condition. We don't want any of you ended up being in this particular place. We don't even like seeing bad blood test results when they come up on the forum. We want to, we want those guys, we want to help those guys. So listen to what we're saying. It's hardcore, it's brutal, but it's true. That's what we're doing here. That's what it's all about. Steve? Yeah, check and check us out on the forums, guys, and ask the questions. Uh, Mobster tells it how as it is. A lot of people don't like like that, but Mobster, uh, you know, he tells it like it is on the forum, and we're learning a lot. I mean, these studies that I actually didn't know about the study until we researched for this podcast, and Mobster did not either, and we both were shocked at this study, and Crazy. it makes me kind of you know, think, wow, you know, maybe it was a blessing that I had to kind of back off from my uh, uh, steroid. Maybe the, the injuries I got were, were my body giving me the red flag. Hey, you got to slow down a little bit. Cause if not, I'd still be, I'd still be doing it. I'd be benching for over 400 pounds at, at five foot five, five foot six and uh, doing crazy, you know, doing crazy dosages and stuff, trying to get stronger and your body will punish you. But that was it, guys. Uh, number 117, Flex Wheeler. Great podcast. Great example. Uh, Flex Wheeler. He really uh, took one for the team on this one. So I'm going to yeah. drop a hint at the next guy we're doing. 
Uh, and this guy, his nickname was the Maryland Muscle Machine. So if you guys uh, don't Google it, don't Google it yet. Wait till it comes out. It'll be a surprise. Uh, but that's that's your hint on the, the guy we're doing next. For Steve Smee and the Mobster, this was episode 117, Flex Wheeler. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one, guys. Have a good one.